Hello, and welcome to Words on Film, the spoken word podcast dedicated to moving pictures. I'm Dan Burke, your host and movie critic, and I'm here to tell you exactly what I think of some of the latest movies out right now. Today is a special show. It is the pre-Oscar show because the Oscars are on March 12th, 2023, and this show has been recorded right before the Oscars. So this is where I give you my picks for all the Oscar categories, not just the popular ones like Best Picture, Best Actor, and, and so on. I'm also going to start with the science categories as well. And the reason I'm starting with those is because those are probably the least subjective of the other categories. For example, you can kind of see uh, the, the nominees that are for Best Makeup, for example, and you can tell just by looking at them which ones are the best. So I'm going to start with the science categories. I'm very excited for the Oscars. I'm so excited, in fact, that I'm wearing my best tuxedo. And those of you who are actually watching me on Facebook know that I'm absolutely lying. (laughs) And I just told my listening audience that I'm lying too. So in any event, I'm not wearing a tuxedo, but if I were on TV, I probably would. But I'm going to start with the science categories for the uh, Oscar nominees. And I'm going to start with one that's relatively popular. It's Best Visual Effects. For this category, the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. All five of these films were very well received critically. Four out of five of them did extremely well commercially. The exception is probably All Quiet on the Western Front. But then again, if All Quiet on the Western Front was released into theaters rather than on Netflix, I think it would have done probably not as well as the other four films, but it would have held its own. But I think the winner for Best Visual Effects is going to be Avatar The Way of Water. That was the, win- the the original film was the winner of that award back in 2010 and for very good reason. What movie could, could pull an upset? Probably uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever and possibly Top Gun Maverick. But my pick for this award, just by looking at the visual effects, is Avatar The Way of Water. And the reason I choose Avatar The Way of Water is not necessarily because the movie looks the best, but it took another section of the planet Pandora and created another visually stimulating section of it. And it doesn't even really matter if it was mostly green screen. What matters is that it looked amazing. So Avatar The Way of Water is my pick for best visual effects. Now on to best film editing, probably a little bit less objective than other uh, science categories, but the nominees for this category are The Banshees of Inna Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Now, honestly, of the members of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, I don't exactly know what they're looking for in terms of best film editing. Because honestly, if a film was edited sloppily, there's probably a 98 to 99% chance it would not be released at all. And I'm not just talking about in theaters. But if I were to choose one that had the best film editing, it would probably be Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I think the reason that Everything Everywhere All at Once has a heads up 
over its the other five movies is because there were a lot of editing tricks in this film because everything everywhere all at once takes place in a variety of dimensions and in a variety of places. So I think, especially given the fact that everything everywhere all at once had a modest budget, especially compared to the other five movies, I think that film is going to be my pick for best film editing. What could pull off an upset? Probably Top Gun Maverick, because not everyone loved Top Gun Maverick, but one thing that absolutely could not be denied about Top Gun Maverick was its editing, and the editing definitely kept up with the pace of the film. But my pick for this one, in my personal subjective opinion, would be Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now on to best costume design. This is probably one of the more objective ones because... Again, it, it's it's costumes, and you could tell just by looking at them who put the most effort into the costumes. So I, th- I think the, the answer for this one is pretty obvious, but here are the nominees. For Best Costume Design, the Oscar nominees are Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. So... For this one, I think Elvis definitely had some very elaborate costumes as the real Elvis Presley was known for his wardrobe. But I think the winner of this one is going to be Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And the reason is not only because the costumes were very impressive, but because Ruth Carter had previously designed the costumes for the original Black Panther movie and won an Academy Award for that. And she also made history for being the first black woman to win an Academy Award for Best Costume Design. So I think that holds currency here. But also on top of that, I don't think she just duplicated what she did in the original Black Panther movie. I think she actually elaborated upon the designs she had for the original Black Panther and and arguably even made them better for Black Panther Wakanda forever. As for everything everywhere all at once, I don't necessarily think that the costumes were the things that really stood out about the movie. And Mrs. Harris goes to Paris might, might pull off an upset because Mrs. Harris goes to Paris is about a woman from London who goes to Paris to check out the French designs from Dior. Uh, And Babylon, I don't think, has a chance, not only because it was critically panned, but also because for a movie that took place in Hollywood in the 1910s and 1920s, I don't really think that the costume design stood out there. But my pick for this category is Black Panther Wakanda Forever with a possible upset from Elvis. So moving on to the next category, this is best makeup and hairstyling. I don't know why makeup and hairstyling are in the same category, but that's the way that the Oscars have it. So for this category, the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. So for this category, it's a little bit more difficult. I think that the one that's going to win is going to be The Whale. And the primary reason that I say that is because 
the whale had amazing makeup on Brendan Fraser that made him look like he was 600 pounds. Now, of course, Brendan Fraser acted well enough to make me believe that he was a 600 pound man, but the makeup on him was amazing. The only reason that I'm torn here is because the Batman also had amazing makeup specifically on Colin Farrell, who played Oswald Cobblepot, who is also known as the penguin. Now, the makeup on Colin Farrell in the Batman was not nearly as good as the makeup on Danny DeVito, where he played the same character in Batman Returns. And to this day, 31 years after that film came out, I still can't tell when I look at clips of Batman Returns that that character is Danny DeVito. However, the makeup on Colin Farrell while it didn't really obscure his real looks as much as it did Danny DeVito's in the uh, latter movie, I still thought he looked so different in that makeup. But I think The Whale probably has this one. With a possible upset from either the Batman or Elvis, because honestly, the makeup on... Austin Butler at the very end of Elvis, the very end where he was reenacting one of Elvis's last performances was so good that I could not tell the difference between Austin Butler duplicating Elvis's performance and the real footage of Elvis performing Unchained Melody later on in the film. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that The Whale is going to win for best makeup and hairstyling based solely on the fact that Brendan Fraser looked not unrecognizable, but he actually looked legitimately morbidly obese. On to best cinematography, kind of like best film editing. It's a little difficult for me to tell sort of in an objective viewpoint what would be the, the best in this category, but regardless, here are the nominees for best cinematography. The Oscar nominees are all quiet on the Western front, Bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths, Elvis empire of light and tar. Now what makes this difficult is the fact that I have actually not seen Bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths or Empire of Light as of yet. Empire of Light was the film that was directed by Sam Mendes, which was a follow-up to 1917, which was nominated for a slew of Oscars, won a lot in the uh, best you know, sciences category, but didn't win Best Picture controversially, or at least controversial to me, because I still think that it was the Best Picture of 2019. But if I were to go out on a limb here, I would probably say that All Quiet on the Western Front would be the winner in this category of best cinematography. Why is it? Well, that's kind of hard to tell. I, or it's a little hard to elaborate, but I will probably say that the cinematography on the film had, you know, the cinematographers and the camera people doing amazing feats of cinematography on what looked like a, a real battlefield. So I think that holds some currency with the Academy, but then again, I don't know, but I will say that based on that logic, um, all quiet on the Western front should win best cinematography, but one of the other films that I hadn't seen might possibly pull off an upset, but my prediction for best cinematography would probably be all quiet on the Western front and I'll stick to it until now. But if I am wrong, I will come on here next week and I will be rates. Right 
the gods for <laughs> not aiding me in my predictions. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke, and I just ran down the list of nominees in the categories of Best Visual Effects, Best Film Editing, Best Costume Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, and Best Cinematography. And the reason I went through the sciences first is because, first of all, I'm building up to the arts, which, let's face it, those are the primary reasons people watch the Oscars, but also because the science categories are, at least in my opinion, the least predictable, excuse me, the most predictable, or in other words, the uh, least subjective. And those are the ones that I usually get right. Like last year, for example, I predicted a lot of the science categories would be won by the film Dune, and I was absolutely right. Dune, the remake, won a lot of those categories, presumably by a landslide, but it actually won the most Oscars of any other film that uh, Oscar season. But uh, this year, it seems like the science categories are a little less clear cut, but there are still going to be some films that I think are a bit more predictable in that regard. But in any event, now on to the category for the Academy Award nominees for Best Production Design. And the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablemans. And this is probably the toughest of the science categories because all four out of five of these films had amazing production design. And production design is usually an asset to films that take place in yesteryear, especially in this case of Elvis and the Fablemans. Maybe Babylon might have a chance here, but considering how critically panned Babylon was and how I consider it to be probably not only a hot mess, but one of the worst films of 2022, it might suffer as a result of this. As for Avatar The Way of Water, the fact that the Avatar The Way of Water took place mainly on green screen might hurt it a little bit because best production design tends to go to people who actually take the props and the decorations and put them on the set as opposed to digitally editing them in, kind of like it was in Avatar The Way of Water. But... I do actually think that Elvis would probably be the winner for best production design in this case with a possible upset by Avatar The Way of Water. And I'm kind of thinking that Avatar The Way of Water might take this one away, but I'm going to put my bets, and by bets I mean just my predictions because I'm not actually betting any money on this, on Elvis in this category. But the Fablemans could pull off an even bigger upset, but Elvis is my choice in the category of best production design, mainly based on my opinion, but also with a little bit of prediction mixed in there. So on to the category of best sound. For this category, the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, 
The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun Maverick. Another tough choice because a lot of times the war film tends to win, which is why I think that All Quiet on the Western Front is probably going to win this award with a possible upset by Top Gun Maverick. Because, yeah, a lot of people, especially people who saw Top Gun Maverick in theaters, particularly in IMAX, were astonished by the sound in that movie. And I was one of those people. But All Quiet on the Western Front is going to be my prediction for this um, category because I do think, especially in terms of sciences, All Quiet on the Western Front had a lot of advantages. And sound better be great for a war film to be great. So I think All Quiet on the Western Front is going to be the winner for Best Sound with a possible upset by Top Gun Maverick. But then again, Avatar The Way of Water could also pull off an upset, but my money, proverbially, is on All Quiet on the Western Front for Best Sound. And I think that just about does it for all the films that are in the science categories, because now I'm getting into a bit more of the arts, beginning with Best Original Song. So, the nominees for Best Original Song are... Applause from the film Tell It Like a Woman with music and lyrics by Diane Warren. Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick with music and lyrics by Lady Gaga and Blood Pop. Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, music by Thames, Rihanna, Ryan Coogler, and Ludwig Göransson, lyrics by Thames and Ryan Coogler. Natu Natu from RRR, music by M.M. Kiravani. Lyrics by Chandar Bose. And This Is a Life from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Music by Ryan Lott, David Byrne, and Mitski. Lyrics by Ryan Lott and David Byrne. My prediction for this category is usually the most popular song. And so for that reason, and for the reason that Rihanna made somewhat of a comeback earlier this year with her Super Bowl halftime show, which a lot of people agree wasn't the best halftime show they'd ever seen, but for a pregnant woman to put on a show like that, uh, Rihanna did an amazing job. But on top of that, Lift Me Up is a song that was played everywhere except for the Super Bowl halftime show. And oddly enough, it seems to me, getting off on a little bit of tangent here, that Lift Me Up would have been perfect for Rihanna considering that she was on those elevated platforms and was literally being lifted up. And it's not easy for anybody to perform on those kind of elevated platforms where if one cable goes out, you're basically done for. But Rihanna did well considering that, but she missed the opportunity to sing Lift Me Up in that show. It really surprises me. Lift Me Up is my choice, or rather my prediction for Best Original Song. I will say that a lot of people have been predicting that Hold My Hand, the Lady Gaga song from Top Gun Maverick, might take away this award um, as well. I I mean, probably over Lift Me Up, but Rihanna's going to be performing the song at the Oscars, and Lady Gaga is not. I don't know why she's not performing. She's going to be attending the Oscars, but she's not going to be performing the song. That seems completely stupid to me because Lady Gaga a couple of years ago performed the song from her very well-received remake of A Star is Born um, alongside Bradley Cooper. And not only was her performance critically acclaimed, but her acting in that performance was 
to me, very amazing. Um, but in any event, I think that might work against Lady Gaga, but also Natu Natu from RRR might pull off an upset here as well, probably in third place, but lift me up from Rihanna would probably get this one because a lot of people loved Black Panther Wakanda forever. I was one of those people and lift me up certainly held a, a special place in the context of that movie, especially considering how the people of Wakanda after the fall of King Chala had to move on from their circumstances. But anyway, moving on to the next category, which is best original score for this category. The nominees are all quiet on the Western front, Babylon, the Banshees of Inisharan, everything everywhere all at once and the Fablemans. Now, what I think about this category is that the Fablemans might take the Oscar home uh, for this category, particularly because Steven Spielberg had John Williams doing the music for the Fablemans, and that is a big plus. However, an upset could be pulled off by everything, everywhere, all at once in this category. Third place or third most likely would probably be, (coughs) excuse me. (coughs) third place in this potential upset could be the Banshees of Inisharan, but my guess for best original score would probably be the Fablemans. But then again, the competition for this category is probably more fierce and less predictable than other categories as well. So for uh, the next three categories, it's going to be the best short subject doc um, uh, films beginning with best animated short film. Now I'm going to briefly go through these, not only because of time, but also because I discussed the strengths and weaknesses of these nominees in great length previously. So I'm going to go briefly through the nominees in each category. The nominees for best animated short film are the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse, the flying sailor, ice merchants, my year of dicks and an Oscar, excuse me, an ostrich told me the world is fake. And I think I believe it. My choice for this category for the best animated short film is an ostrich told me the world is fake. And I think I believe it. I think this was one of the most imaginative and not only was it funny and amusing in a lot of parts, but it also was extremely creative and really paid sort of an indirect tribute to the magic of movies, particularly stop motion animation movies. But a, an upset could be pulled off by Ice Merchants. And one of the advantages that Ice Merchants has is not only is it a more modest film, but it also has zero dialogue. And that actually holds currency for Oscar voters, at least in my opinion. So on to the best live action short film category. The nominees are An Irish Goodbye, Evalu, Les Pupelles, Night Ride, and The Red Suitcase. I think the winner in this category is going to be The Red Suitcase. I think this one deals with the subject of both immigration and also refugees going from one country to another to seek a better life. And I think that holds some currency with Oscar voters. An upset could be pulled off by an Irish goodbye, which as I said previously, I think that was probably my second favorite of the nominees in this 
category. And I do have bias because I am of Irish descent and I'm also a dual citizen of the United States and Ireland. But I think the red suitcase has this one in in the bag. And I think it's the red suitcases to lose. But then again, I'm not the most... I'm not the best authority on who's going to win because I usually get at least one of the categories wrong every year. On to best documentary short subject. The nominees are The Elephant Whisperers, Haul Out, How Do You Measure a Year, The Martha Mitchell Effect, and Stranger at the Gate. Again, all of these films are amazing. Probably the least best of them is Haul Out, as I explained on last week's show. But the one that I think is going to win is going to be The Elephant Whispers. And the reason being is because it had amazing cinematography, and it's also very timely in terms of its message about environmentalism. And it also takes you to a place that a lot of people haven't been to, let alone seen on film. Or maybe the other way around, haven't seen on film, let alone been to. But how do you measure a year might pull off an upset because A, it's an American film, and B, it's a low, low, low budget film, which the filmmaker made by buying a digital camera you could buy at Best Buy and making a film that's been nominated for an Oscar. That is... That holds currency as well with the Academy. But I think the Elephant Whisperers had a lot more uh, cinematographers, professional ones at their disposal. So that might work with them in this category as well. My choice for best documentary short subject, the one I like the best, and the one I think that's going to win is the Elephant Whisperers. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And as I'm going through the list of Oscar categories, as well as the respective nominees, as well as the ones that I think will win versus should win, I'm now gone to Best Documentary Feature. And interestingly enough, there, if I'm lucky, and I go to the movies a lot, anybody who knows me can tell you that, but... Every year, there are at least three films in the best documentary feature category that I haven't seen. So for that reason, I'm giving you full disclosure, I haven't seen four out of five of the films that are nominated in this category. I've only seen one, and I'm biased because not only have I seen that one, but I've also seen that one be the most advertised. So, best documentary feature. The nominees are All That Breathes. All the Beauty and Bloodshed, or rather, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. So, of these nominees, the only one that I've seen is Fire of Love. And Fire of Love was an excellent documentary. I believe I gave it a knockout when I was reviewing it. And this is a film also about Americans, particularly about... um, people who study volcanoes, they're French volcanologists, Katia and Maurice Kraft, who dedicate their lives to studying volcanoes, and 
the, the consequence of them dedicating their lives to studying volcanoes is told very well in this film. I think this is the one that's going to win, not just because it's the only one I've seen, but also because it has been advertised extensively since it's been nominated. And I think the fact that it's American and the fact that it's been probably advertised the best of all the other uh, documentary features means that it's probably going to win. Is it the best because of those facts? Absolutely not. But because of those facts, that's why I think that one's going to win. Any one of these documentaries could upset it. And I really wish that when these documentaries are nominated, there is some easier way to see them. But some of them are released on streaming services like Netflix. Some aren't. And that makes it a little difficult. But Fire of Love is my guess for best documentary feature. But full disclosure, it probably does not necessarily mean that it's going to win. But I'm going to pick it anyway because, for me, it's the safest choice. On to the category of Best International Feature Film. Now, what's interesting about this category is it used to be Best Foreign Language Film, but they changed it so that it's other countries besides the United States, including countries like Great Britain, Ireland, Canada, Guyana, Hong Kong, which isn't a country, but it was owned by Great Britain for a while. But in, a, in other words, countries and or territories that speak English are also eligible for this category, just every other country besides the United States. And it's been that way for the last four years. In fact, the first film to win Best International Feature Film was Parasite. And it, it deserved to win that category. And I still stand by, even though it is a great movie, I don't necessarily think that it should have won Best Picture, but I'm getting off topic here. For this year's nominees for Best International Feature Film, the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a German film directed by Edward Berger, Argentina 1985, which is an Argentinian film directed by Santiago Mitre, Close from Belgium, directed by Lucas Don't, EO from Poland, directed by... Jersey Skolimowski. Let me say that again. Directed by Jersey Skolimowski. There, I, I did it better the second time. And The Quiet Girl from Ireland. Directed by Colm Bayred. Now, what's interesting about this category is The Banshees of Inisherin was not nominated for Best International Feature Film, but it was nominated for Best Picture. That may be a first, but again, I'd have to go through all... 94 previous Oscar seasons to go through the nominees and see if that ever happened before. So don't take my word on this, but all quiet on the Western front has a huge advantage over the other international feature films in that it is also the only nominee to be nominated for best picture for that reason. I do believe that all quiet on the Western front is going to win Best International Feature Film. However, I think that Argentina 1985 might pull off an upset here. Now, I have not seen Argentina 1985 as of the date of this show as I'm recording it. However, I've heard some great things about Argentina 1985, and it is available for streaming if you have an Amazon Prime account. You can go on to Amazon Prime and stream this film at no additional cost. 
So that movie might pull off an upset. What also might pull off an upset is EO from Poland. But then again, The Quiet Girl is the only film that's it's actually not entirely in English. It's also in it's it's a mix between English and Gaelic, but that might actually make it a, a contender as well. As for Close from Belgium, I don't exactly know, but based on previous years, I think All Quiet on the Western Front has this film and it's that it's their film to lose or it's their award to lose rather on to the category of best animated feature film. This one can be a controversial category, but for this category, the nominees are Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel, the shell with shoes on Puss in Boots, the last wish, the sea beast and turning red. So what's typical of this category is there are at least two films that were very successful commercially as well as critically. And if they hadn't been done critically, they probably wouldn't have been nominated for Oscars. But Turning Red was a crowd pleaser. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish was a surprise for me as to how good it was because I thought it was better than the original Puss in Boots. And it was better than at least two out of the four Shrek films of which Puss in Boots was a spinoff. Um, but I do believe that Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is going to win this one. And the reason I say that is because it was, I I think the best and most meticulously animated of the five films and movies that are stop motion animated usually have more of an advantage because it is very, very hard to make any film in particular regardless, but it is especially hard to make a stop motion animated film. And I'm not necessarily saying that the movie about the ostrich telling me it's the end of the world, that one is going to win the best animated short film for the reason that it was just stop motion animated. But Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio was also the best version of Pinocchio in a year where there were three other Pinocchios, two of which were very poorly critically received, especially the Disney live action remake or the live action animated hybrid directed by Robert Zemeckis, which I didn't think was a terrible film, but it definitely didn't deserve to be nominated for best animated feature film. But I think that Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio has the bag on this one. And I'd love to see it win because it was an excellent film, not just an excellent animated film. And it was in my top 10 best films of 2022 based on the ones that I'd seen up to that point. So now on to the screenplay categories, and this is a category, at least one of the two categories that I hope to win one day. Of course, I do have to buckle down and write a screenplay, but you know, my, my dream is to win an Oscar for one of these categories, but I'm going to do best adapted screenplay first. The nominees are all quiet on the Western front, glass onion, a knives out mystery living Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. So Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery and Top Gun Maverick are not exactly adapted screenplays. They're not adapted from previous source material like books or Broadway plays or any or graphic novels or anything you could you would expect an adapted screenplay to be adapted from. But they are sequels, and sequels do count as adapted screenplays. Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery was an excellent 
mystery. And I thought it was even better than the original Knives Out. And then the original Knives Out was really good. But I do think that All Quiet on the Western Front may win in this category, not only because it's an anti-war movie that that is being released at a time when Russia declared war on Ukraine just because it wanted to take it over, but also because All Quiet on the Western Front was very well received as a book and its original movie adaptation, the first movie adaptation, won Best Picture back in 1931. However, I do think that Women Talking is probably going to be a film that would pull off an upset. That's based on a novel by Miriam Toes, which she wrote five years ago. And Sarah Polly, who also directed the film, adapted that herself into a very, very well-received movie. One of the best of 2022, in my opinion. It didn't make my top 10 list, but if I were to do my list over again, I think Women Talking would probably replace She Said on my list. I put She Said at number nine, or yeah, number nine on my list. But my my money, proverbially, is on All Quiet on the Western Front in this category. Now on to Best Original Screenplay. The nominees for this category are The Banshees of Sharon, written by Martin McDonough, Everything Everywhere All at Once, written by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, also known as The Daniels, The Fablemans, written by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner, Tar, written by Todd Field, and Triangle of Sadness, written by Ruben Osteland. So, I'm going to be fully disclosing here. I've seen all the films in this category except Triangle of Sadness. I just haven't gotten around to seeing that film yet. But I think the winner in this category is definitely going to be Everything Everywhere All at Once. For the simple fact that not only did it tell an original story and a great story at that, but I I think in terms of the movie, it did more with one-tenth of the budget of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness um, than Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was able to do. It told an amazing story and an original story at that that was surprisingly not based on a graphic novel. And what's, uh, what's interesting about it was Everything Everywhere All at Once did in a lot of ways feel like a graphic novel. But that's my, my money is being put on Best Original Screenplay, but the Fablemans could actually pull off an upset because Steven Spielberg wrote a semi-autobiographical story about a guy, about a young boy who becomes a teenager who loves movies and wants to make a living making movies. And the, the Oscar committee made up of filmmakers, not just actors and actresses, but also directors, screenwriters, and producers have a soft spot for that kind of story. They lived it themselves. So the Fablemans could pull off an upset for that reason. Tar, I also think, could pull could be third place in that upset because that was a razor-sharp, smart movie. So I really think that Everything Everywhere All at Once has this award to lose in, in their case, and that's my choice for Best Original Screenplay.
Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And I'm continuing on with the categories and the Academy Award nominees because the Academy Awards are going to be on Sunday, March 12th, and you can best believe that I will be tuning into that show as well as live tweeting what I think the nominees are or rather who I think the winners are going to be. And my next tweet is going to be either praise that I got the uh, guess correct or cursing the wind that I was incorrect. But I do wholeheartedly acknowledge that there are upsets in just about every category. The best person or the best movie does not necessarily win. And it really is at the discretion of a group of people who make movies, not film critics or anybody else. But uh, I think it was Chloe Grace Moretz who is a good actress in her own right, but she's also a member of the Academy who said that being a member of the Academy is kind of like being on jury duty. But having been on jury duty at least once in my life, I would rather watch movies than be on jury duty. Uh, especially the one case in which I was a juror. But in any event, on to the fun categories. These are the ones that people are hedging the most bets on. And we're starting with the Best Supporting Actress category. The nominees are Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow in The Whale, Carrie Condon in The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Hsu in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now, this is a very tough category because this category made history for a few reasons. First of all, this is the first time when two actresses of Asian descent have been nominated in this category. In fact, this year has had the most categories in acting of, of more Asians than any other year in Academy history. And that's a really big deal. Also, Angela Bassett has not only been nominated for the second time in her career, she was last nominated 29 years ago for playing Tina Turner in What's Love Got to Do With It. She didn't win. She was up against Holly Hunter in The Piano, and that was a very tough competition, but she was amazing in that film. And she was also excellent in both Black Panther films, but most especially in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And she also made history as being the very first actor, not just actress, in um, an MCU film to be nominated for an MCU film. And that is a really big deal. However, my choice for this category, the, one, the person I think will win and should win is, dare I say it, Jamie Lee Curtis. And the reason that I think she should win is not only because she's in what I think is the best film of the year, but she did amazing playing, of all people, an IRS auditor. She, so she wasn't so much of a villain, at least not in the main universe in that film, as much as she was an antagonist, but she played this role so well. And it's great to see her finally get nominated for her first Oscar. I think this is hers to lose. I do think that Hung Chow in the whale has a chance of pulling off an upset and possibly Angela Bassett after her for black Panther. As for Stephanie Hsu, it's great that she got nominated, but I think her performance pales in comparison to Jamie Lee Curtis. So Jamie Lee Curtis is my choice for Best Supporting Actress, and I could be wrong. On to Best Supporting Actor. The nominees are Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inisherin, 
Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inisherin, and Ki Hui Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is also a really tough category. I don't think Brian Tyree Henry has a chance because very few people have seen the film Causeway. It's Causeway's only nomination. And frankly, I do think that Brian Tyree Henry should have actually been nominated instead for Bullet Train instead of Causeway. But who do I think is going to win on this one? I think this is probably the biggest toss-up. My guess for who's going to win on this one would probably be Judd Hirsch. For the Fablemans. And yeah, Judd Hirsch was only in the Fablemans for about five minutes, but there have been actors and actresses in movies who have been in movies for a shorter amount of time who have actually won. They just, they not only um, got nominated, they also won. And Judd Hirsch has been in the movies and in TV for a very long time. And Oscar voters tend to favor those that have been in the business for quite some time, which is why. Christopher Plummer won previously um, and became the oldest actor to win in that category. But I think Ki Hui Kwan could pull off an upset for everything, everywhere, all at once. Not only has Ki Hui Kwan been in the business since he was a kid, but he also made a comeback with this film after having sporadically been in movies and TV shows ever since being in The Goonies. But Judd Hirsch is my pick for best supporting actor in this category. Again, acknowledging that I haven't seen Causeway and can't quite make the best prediction. But if Brian Tyree Henry wins in this category, it will probably be one of the biggest upsets in Oscar history, but not necessarily undeserved. On to best actress. This is one that I'm kind of torn on. So the nominees in this category are Kate Blanchett for Tar. Ana de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now, I have some issues with this category. First of all, I don't think Michelle Williams should have been nominated for Best Actress. Best Supporting Actress, maybe, but definitely not Best Actress. And there's going to be a lot riding against Andrea Riseborough for the film Two Leslie. I have seen Two Leslie. I haven't reviewed it for you on the show yet because I literally just saw the film this week. But she did amazing in this film. But I think it's either a choice between Michelle Yeoh or Kate Blanchett. And Kate Blanchett has won Best Leading Actress before for the movie Blue Jasmine. And I thought Sandra Bullock was better in the movie Gravity. And Kate Blanchett pulled off the upset there. I thought she was better in Tar than she was in Blue Jasmine by a mile. But I think Michelle Yeoh is going to win for everything, everywhere, all at once. And given Michelle Yeoh's longevity and also the fact that there are younger and more diverse members of the Academy, I think for that reason, Michelle Yeoh is going to win. But I do wholly acknowledge that Kate Blanchett could pull off an upset for Tar. Now on to the category of Best Actor. The nominees are Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal for After Sun, and Bill Nighy for Living. 
I think this is Brendan Fraser's category to lose, but Austin Butler has probably the next best chance of pulling off an upset for Elvis because Austin Butler won the Golden Globe for Elvis for best leading actor in a comedy or musical, and Brendan Fraser did not win a Golden Globe, but he has won other prestigious awards for Best Leading Actor, including the BAFTA, which is the British Academy Awards. So I think Brendan Fraser turned in the best performance of these five actors, but I'm also acknowledging that I haven't seen After Sun or Living as of yet. But of the performances that I've seen, Brendan Fraser's is the best, and it's not just because of his excellent makeup, which will also probably win an Academy Award, but it's Brendan Fraser's uh, category to lose. Austin Butler may pull off an upset, though, considering how amazing he was playing Elvis. But my prediction for this category is Brendan Fraser. Now on to Best Director. The nominees for this category are Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inna Sharon, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. My prediction in this category is going to be Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I do think that Steven Spielberg might pull off an upset for The Fablemans, especially given what I was discussing earlier on in the show about the Academy tending to favor films that are about filmmakers and kind of starting from the bottom up. But considering how critically acclaimed Everything Everywhere All at Once was, how original it is, and the fact that Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert basically after years of directing films that very few people have seen, including myself are nominated in this category and given also the younger and more diverse members of the Academy, I think they're going to win this one. So that's my prediction for best director, the Daniels for everything, everywhere all at once. And maybe Steven Spielberg pulling off a second place upset for the Fablemans. Now onto the category of best picture. This one is the big kahuna. And the 10 nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inna Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. 10 films and what I I for time I have told you what the winners are, what could be the upsets. And honestly, there are a, there's one film in here that I don't think should have been nominated for Best Picture, but I think people are going to tune in to this year's Oscars more than last year for the reason that this film is nominated, but I don't think it's going to win. And that film is Top Gun Maverick. Again, it's an excellent film. It's one that is very entertaining, but I don't think it's going to win mainly because there are... Uh, ads that are that are telling you that it's the best reviewed film of the year according to Rotten Tomatoes but just because it has a higher score on Rotten Tomatoes than the other nominees doesn't mean it's going to win and I highly doubt it is going to win my pick for this category is probably going to be everything everywhere all at once 
And for the reason that I elaborated upon, that a lot of people saw it and love it. It's one It's one of the probably most consistently critically acclaimed films of the year. Don't just judge it by the tomatoes it's received. Judge it by the escalation of the praise that it's received from not only critics, but people who actually went to the theater and saw it, and not just people who make films. I think it's going to be praised for its originality, considering the fact that a lot of people are complaining that Hollywood is not original anymore. I don't think that's true. There's certainly a lot of original films out there, and Everything Everywhere All at Once has that distinction of being the underdog based on its budget, based on some of the actors who hadn't acted in the film in a while, and also for its originality and outlandishness. That's why I think it's the best picture of the year, and that's why I think it's going to win, but the Fablemans could pull off an upset in this category. Again, given what I said about the Academy being on the side of films about filmmaking, particularly from a director and a writer as prolific as Steven Spielberg. But I actually thought that the Fablemans wasn't as good a film in when you're comparing Steven Spielberg's repertoire to West Side Story that he did last year. But considering that Steven Spielberg made two films in two years, that is an amazing work ethic. So I think not only for Steven Spielberg's work ethic, but also for his passion for filmmaking that shines very well in Fablemans. The Fablemans could pull off an upset, but I do think the best picture this year is going to be Everything Everywhere All at Once. Compared to the other nominees, I think it deserves to win, and I think that it will win. But next week, I will tell you if I am, in fact, correct. Well, that's all the time I have for this episode of Words on Film. I always love talking about movies, and I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please subscribe and rate the show and leave comments if you can. I would love to get your feedback, even if it's more criticism than praise. This has been Words on Film. I'm Dan Burke, and until my next episode, I'll see you at the movies.